You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Relax. You're quite safe here. This is Max Hedrum. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced, namely... Cobra! And afterwards, that is directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger, namely... Yo, So! Sit back. Relax. And enjoy. Hello! And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zabe, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have won if you were here with us, saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We are so happy that you chose to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's get started. This episode promises to be a little difficult than other episodes we've had in the past. I've been given every indication that today's players are advanced in this sort of thing. So we have ramped up the difficulty settings to 11. These go to 11. So if you like some difficult trivia, then this is an episode you will especially like. Especially like. You guys have been friends for a long time, right? How long have you guys been friends? Define friends. Seventh grade. <laughs> so that's, that's, right. that's 30 plus years, yeah? Again, that's up to interpretation, Jason. I'm 26. <laughs> He's 44. <laughs> Please. You look like you're 86. Last time you saw 26 was 1826. We're going to save Generation X for future generations a little today. With the material we cover with these two friends, our contestants today are Will. Hi, my name is Will Krigler, and I'm going to save Generation X because Brent is horrible. He sucks at this. He can't remember anything these days. (laughs) The only thing that can help him is if he cheats. Oh, please. Whatever. Okay. Great, Will. Thanks for being on the show. And Will will be competing against Brent. Hello, everyone. My name is Brent, and I am going to save Generation X because my opponent, Will, is like Glass Joe, and I am like Ivan Drago. I don't think Ivan was in that game, but the metaphor works just fine. Thanks, Jason. I know Will could understand it. I can see by his face. (laughs) Thanks for being here, guys. If you're new to the show, let me explain how it goes. The show is broken up into three rounds. The player with the most points after round two goes on to play the bonus round and win a chance at today's prize. That is, unless the losing player can play spoiler and stop him from winning the prize. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling with a little game we like to call the facts of life round one 
In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and the players must compete to identify them on the top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power, which is a position that will grant them advantages later in the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power in round two can be a great advantage. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe is a real American hero. My apologies to the three listeners I have in the United Kingdom that they may be lost on this game due to the fact that Joe is not fighting for freedom over their land and air. This list is strictly for those consuming grape soda and chocolate donuts and not drinking Earl Grey tea with some crumpets. The judges have found a curated list of characters from the G.I. Joe universe that have been ranked as the greatest characters of all time from among the terrorist group Cobra. Why are we picking from a list of the greatest Cobra characters? Because the list of the greatest Joe's characters sucked and the judges rejected it. This list was curated by the top G.I. Joe podcasters, bloggers, professionals within the world of Marvel Comics, and other G.I. Joe nerds. These are not the unwashed masses who voted. These are voted on by those who live and breathe these characters, okay? The rules of the list are this, that all characters are either full-blown Cobra or closely tied to Cobra. No matter how you want to label it, these are the bad guys in the G.I. Joe universe. All characters have been considered from all known media of the G.I. Joe, toys, comics, movies, cartoons, and all of their different incarnations and continuities throughout the past 50 years are all in play. So tell me, guys, who are the greatest Cobra characters of all time? We flipped the coin backstage, and Brent, you won the coin toss. You get to go first. Who is the greatest Cobra character of all time? All right. I will say, man, I'm going to go with Storm Shadow. So our enemies survived the avalanche. We must now ensure an end to their good fortune. As you command, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow, number four on the list. Well done. Okay. Brent, you're on the board. You have no strikes. Will, it is now your turn. I'm gonna go with the Baroness. Oh, you dirty dog. Once again, Cobra Commander's plans have gone awry. Destro, darling. The Baroness is number six. Well done. Ha. Brent, back to you. No strikes so far. All right, Cobra Commander, come on. At long last, the Joes are doomed, and all because of my superb leadership. <laughs> Wait. What's that? Retreat! Abandon the backs and flee! Cobra Commander was number five on the list. Oh, that's low, man. The All only right. reason he was ranked so low is surely the fault of his subordinates. <laughs> surely, Jason. <laughs> Will, what do you got? Let's go with Destro. Oh, you. <laughs> Give it up, Joes! <laughs> Destro is number one on the list by a landslide. A landslide? How can that be? Overwhelming favorite. Uh, Destro took the top spot, and it wasn't even close. Brent, your turn. All right. I'm going to go with Zartan. And I'm going to say that's number two. 
too easy. Did you take a look at my list? Because he is number two. Jason, it's just like the coin flip. Come on. <laughs> you should have got number one then. <laughs> like I said in the beginning of the show, we have some experts. No strikes. There are mm. five answers left. Will, oh. on to you. I gotta think now. It's um, difficult for you. Well, I wouldn't have thought that Zartan would have been on there because he's he's a dreadnought. But he said affiliated. Come I on know, man. I know, I know. Um, Are you telling me Zartan's not a bad guy in the GI Joe universe? Yeah, come on. Now when he puts on Duke's mask. Oh, <laughs> still a yeah. bad guy. He's just imitating okay. uh, Duke. Clearly, he'd pull Will. Let's let's go with let's go with the brothers. Tomax oh, and Zemo. Good one. Rather poor shot, eh, Tomax? Awful. That's what I'd say, Zemo. Tomas and Zemo, number eight on the list. Yes. Well done. <laughs> come, come on. We're missing a big one here. Well, Brent, <laughs> fill in the big one, yo. <laughs> you can. <laughs> it's your turn. Firefly. Nice. Cobra Command is bugging out. No sign of Firefly. I got it. Firefly, number three on the list. Ooh, that's right. No strikes so far. We have never had a, a clean sweep here with no strikes. Oh. All right, well, come the on, pressure's on you. Let's do it. The, the, the pressure's on. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of somebody good. Who else is left? Um, the major characters are, are about out. I'm going to throw out a Crimson Guard. The Crimson Guard was number 18 on the list. Oh, you! <laughs> Will, that's your first strike. Brent, right. you sinner, can Will. you avoid a strike here? Viper! Can you be more specific, please? There was like 50 Vipers. Cobra Viper? How about that, Jason? <laughs> How's that work? How about Cobra Viper was number 17 on the list? What? <laughs> Brent, right. that is your first strike. Will, right, back to you. Turn. You're still alive. Okay. Bats. Mm. I love the bats. It was a great toy. But it did not make our top 10. That was number 20 on the list. Ooh. Okay, okay, I got one, I got one. I got a good one. Okay, Brent. Serpentor! None shall stand against me, neither within Cobra nor without, for I am Serpentor, and I must rule this I command! Serpentor, number nine on the list. Oh, just squeaked by. How many more do we have? One, two? There are two left on the list. We've never had a sweep on the list. Will, you need to get an answer here, or you strike out. Oh, jeez. Um, how about who puts Serpentor together, Dr. Mindbender? Since our present leader is worthless, I will create a new one. He sure did. Oh, and he squeaked in the number 10 on the spot. Yes. Oh, man, who's left? There's only one answer left. Brent, you need to get it here or you get a strike. Oh, man. Um, you won oh, the coin don't flip. Don't be looking at anything. He's looking at Storm Shadow, his card. Well, he's already said Storm Shadow. I know, right. he's looking at the back. Said, oh, you, whatever. All I right. saw I'm, it. In I'm fairness to Brent, in fairness to Brent, I don't think you can walk anywhere in his house and not get reminded of some sort of uh, Joe. So, uh, so here's, here's the situation, Brent. 
you need to get this answer here or you get a strike. Okay. All right. Um, Cobra soldier, infantry. Cobra, Cobra trooper was number 15 on the list. So that is your second strike. Will, <laughs> here's the situation for you. Mm-hmm. Get the answer correct or you strike out and Brent wins. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Major blood. Oh, good one. G.I. Joe is attacking again? Major blood, would you do the honors? They're as good as done for, Commander. Major Darn. blood, number seven on the list. Well done. <laughs> we both forgot him, too. Good one, Will. I remembered him in the beginning, but I wasn't oh, sure. Man. Good one. I forgot. Oh, major blood. Good one. He was a, he was a great figure, too, because he had that one arm that didn't move. It made him seem kind of cool. Remember? Like a winter soldier. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, so that is the complete list, guys. Congratulations. This is the first on the show that we've swept through every answer on the list. Congratulations. Now, you've each answered five on the list. That means we go to the tiebreaker, which is who got number one on the list. Oh, it's Will with you. Destro. Good one. Will, congratulations. You, you. have the power. The power is <laughs> Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. I like to ask a personal preference question to have the listeners get a better idea who they are playing against at home and also ask our guests about their Gen X credentials. That is, what, being, besides being born when you were, makes you qualified to call yourself truly Generation X? This episode's personal preference question is, which G.I. Joe character was the coolest and which was the lamest? Please welcome to the show, Brent. Thank you, Jason. Hello all, my name is Brent, and I am so Gen X that I'm 44 years old. So Brent, what's your personal preference question? Which G.I. Joe character was the coolest and which was the lamest? All right, Jason, so my all-time, all-time favorite is Storm Shadow. And uh, I remember getting him uh, at the Alpha Beta supermarket uh, down by my house and my, my poor older sister hearing me temper tantrum until I got that until she bought me that figure for, uh, for like $2.30 back in the day. Um, that's my favorite one. But I'd have to say, and I'm sure that this comes with great scrutiny, but I have to say the coolest character was Cobra Commander. Um, his, there's always something with him. I mean, he was always entertaining. I mean, love him or hate him, his whiny voice, his quote-unquote cowardice or whatever, or his interesting style of leadership, um, I mean, he made him fun, right? I mean, he, he was just a great character. I, I, I thought he was one of the coolest, if not the coolest indeed. Um, and the lamest, I would have to say, his, you know, horrible aftermath counterpart, Serpentor. Um, what, I mean, I get what they were doing the G.I. Joe, but I kind of think, and even as a kid, that Hasbro jumped the shark with that one. And they kept jumping and jumping after that. But... Um, yeah, Serpentor, Cross and Cobra Commander, the way he did in G.I. Joe the movie. Nah, that earned him the lamest spot in my book. Awesome. Plus, Cobra Commander had that rad hood, right? He's like spooky with the and hood. And the dome. And the and dome. dome. I mean, right, the, dome, the dome's one thing, but that's just like kind of like this weird helmet thing. But with the hood, I don't know. For some reason, that always kind of spooked me. It, it was. It was kind of like he went even a darker approach or... Yeah. or what have you but i agree and then he had the cape in the movie and you're like what? he's 
He's stepping up in the world. Do you remember having to send away uh, flag points to get the, the hooded Cobra commander? I do. I didn't do that. Um, I will say, and even the original uh, Chrome one was, uh, was one that you had to send away for, I believe. I think correct you're right. I, correct me if I'm wrong. That was like um, the early bird special for, for Star Wars. It was one of the very first promos that G.I. Joe did with the, the flag points, which is, I think, the start of all that kind of clip and save bonus, you know, get something bonus after your purchase type thing, which is awesome. For sure. Brent, it's an honor to have you. Thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. And Brent is playing against Will today. Welcome to the show, Will. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm Will Krigler. Something about growing up in the 80s. Everybody, I mean, if I could, if you could have a time machine and I could take my kids back and show them what a toy store was back in the day, they have no idea to walk into a KB toy store and see the whole GI Joe display planes hanging from the ceiling. They went all out. I mean, you just wanted everything. I mean, it was just amazing. RIP toys are us for sure. Exactly. But, but I mean, they're coming I can, back. I can, I can remember like back. Um, this was, I think it was back in kindergarten going to the store with my mom and seeing an end cap full of GI Joe's and like, she got me snake eyes, which he's that he is the original one is my favorite one because like, I remember getting him there at the store and he was just, it was awesome. You know, people might say that, Oh, what do you have this uh, affinity for toys? You're, you're grown ass man. You know, it goes a little bit deeper than that your memory with, of that toy also connects you to your mother and reminds you of these wonderful childhood memories we had. That's something you, kind of unique to our generation is we have these uh, tangible things that we can hold on to for our life that, that automatically brings us back to those moments. Before our generation, you know, I mean, where they got a hula hoop, frisbee, a yo-yo, you know, it, it just, it wasn't the same for, yeah. for, for the boomers. Uh, they don't have those artifacts to, to love and cherish and, and, and hand down to their kids. Right. So, Will, you got Snake Eyes as your, as your favorite. Do you want to expand on that or do you want to move on to your, the lamest guy? Um, he, he, he's, he's still like my favorite. And then like later, I'd say later, learning how Hasbro came about him, that they just made him black. And, but he's turned into, he turned into a favorite. So, so Bazooka is not your favorite? <laughs> no, I hate the number 14. Oh, do you? You would. <laughs> I believe that was an homage to uh, Freddie Mercury, wasn't it? If you look at no. that figure, it looks exactly close. like Freddie Mercury. Close. close. Brent Jason. stole mine once. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I, I might throw Destro out as one of my favorites. I mean, he... I thought you were going to say he's the lamest. I'm like, get off the show, man. What? Well, okay. I'm about mean, to be squared out by the judges. You, 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 want, you want the lamest Cobra? I'm, I'm going to throw two Cobras, dude. Raptor and Crystal Ball. <laughs> oh, come on, dude. That's, that's, your, that's the most vanilla answer. I mean, are we still playing that game? Because that survey says, yeah, number one on lamest for both. Come on, well, buddy. You can do better. I mean, whenever we would joke about it, we'd have a joke about Crystal Ball. 
No, that was because you look just like him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you got the hair right now. <laughs> you well, got no hair. You're saying the, the haircut. <laughs> you get one. That's called. If you're saying the Cobra Falconer was the lamest one, I, I think I might agree with you. Look at that. See, you, you got the name too. Mike, yeah, he's. But, but Dr. Mindbender previously was a dentist before he joined Cobra. Ponder that. And then he was, and then he was a mad scientist in Cobra. And by his outfit, he's way into uh, S&M, I think. BDSM or whatever it's called. I think he had like a midlife crisis or something. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, guys. Let's move on to round two. You've well, got no hair. You're saying the, called a the haircut. <laughs> you get one. That's called. If you're saying the Cobra Falconer was the lamest one, I, I think I might agree with you. Look at that. See, you, you got the name too. Mike, yeah, he's. But, but Dr. Mindbender previously was a dentist before he joined Cobra. Ponder that. And then he was, and then he was a mad scientist in Cobra. And by his outfit, he's way into uh, S&M, I think, BDSM or whatever it's called. I think he had like a midlife crisis or something. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, guys. Let's move on to round two. Round two. Uh, round two today is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each contestant. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players, that's you guys, can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try and make your case through loud arguments. The player who won round one has the power, that's you, Will. Oh, please. And that'll give you the uh, choice sure. to pick between two questions uh, during the round and know the category of one of them. Players take turn answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point but also steals the power. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer, no, how, no matter how incorrect they may be. So saying some form of I don't know has consequences, and the consequence is you'll lose a point if you say I don't know. So uh, if you don't know, make something up and make it entertaining. You get to choose between these two random questions. Okay. Will it be? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but a crane kick will make me lose the All-Valley Karate Tournament, which is a movie question. Or you can choose, and knowing is half the battle. I'm going to go for the first one. Okay. In the beloved film, The Karate Kid, there are many iconic quotes that are instantly recognizable, many of which are insults, threats, and hostilities. For example, Chris calls Mr. Miyagi a pushy little bastard. Johnny calls Daniel uh, a little twerp. And Tommy famously calls for someone to get Daniel a body bag. Yeah. <laughs> However, out of all the insults, the judges felt that one that landed the hardest happened right before Chris wiped blood away from Johnny's nose and right before Chris told Johnny to sweep the leg. Off screen, you can clearly hear a voice hurl an insult at Johnny right before he is given the order of no mercy. What is that insult, Will? So you understand the question? Uh, yeah. Off screen, yeah. someone, someone yells something from the crowd at Johnny. What is that insult? 
I don't know. You're a dirtbag, Johnny? I don't know. Your dirtbag, Johnny, is incorrect. I'm sorry, Will. Brent, can you steal this question? Now, is it an insult to Johnny, or is it just some, an insult that somebody says? Is, is an insult clearly meant for Johnny's ears? Johnny, he's a cream puff. Johnny, you're a cream puff is correct. Oh. Well nice done, Brent. Nice job. That's right. Good job, Brent. Ooh. That was a Hail Mary. Time out. Time out. What do your sense say? Turn, Neil. Johnny, you're a cream puff. Sweep the leg. The cream puff line was added in post-production to show that the crowd was turning on Johnny, who was the reigning All-Valley champ, and to give him motivation to play dirty in order to win. The voice heard in the quote was given by the director of the film, John Avildsen. So, Brent, you have uh, stolen that point, and you've also stolen the power. The power. And here's your question. You can take a commanding three-point lead with a correct answer here. And this question is called, and knowing is half the battle. This is a toys-related question. Do you know anything about toys, Brent? Are you familiar with this uh, topic? Know, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Some well, have said. Well, this might test your knowledge. Let's see. I don't get this right, then. <laughs> the USS Flag was the largest G.I. Joe playset. Measuring in at just under seven foot six inches in length. It was based on the USS Nimitz, but the ship was altered to accommodate the action figures. This led to its proportions being off in order to make it playable with other G.I. Joe toys in the line. If the playset was built to scale, how big would the toy be? And uh, this is a, a multiple choice. Okay. So is it A, would the toy be 15 feet long, B, 65 feet long, C, 25 feet long, or D, 69 feet long? 69. Oh, Jason, you. Um, you know, you have a 65 and a 69. Come on, man. That's confusing. <laughs> That's way too close. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with 65. 65 is the correct answer. <laughs> yes. Way to go, Brent. Here's the fun fact. The flag, had it been built to actual scale, would be about 65 feet long and 13 feet wide. Imagine that in your basement. This past December 2020 marks the 35th straight year. All us poor kids did not get the USS flag for Christmas. Fingers are crossed for 2021. Yep, Jason, I, ha I had it as a kid, and I have another one now. <laughs> Super jealous. <laughs> okay, that brings the score three points to, for Brent and zero points for Will. Anything can oh, still happen, though, Will. Brent, you have the power. Have? What's that? How many points does Will have? Will has zero points so far. How many helpers does Brent have? <laughs> zero! I see hands. <laughs> what do you mean hands? They're my hands. This is, this no. is, this is audio. What do you mean you see? They, they look like lady hands. <laughs> you look like lady hands. Okay, Brent, you get to pick between these two questions, and you'll know the category of one of them. Will it be Marty McFly, Wolf's Out, which is a movie question, or will it be, gee, I'm really sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. Oh Ooh. man! Oh, that's great. Good for you, Jason. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with 
Gee, real sorry your mom blew up, Ricky. How, how could you turn that one down, right? I know. It's, oh, man, good one. And, and okay. it's great for Will to have the other one, too. Here we go. <laughs> Better Off Dead is an underrated gem of a film from the 1980s. In it, John Cusack's character Lane poses the question. Two brothers. One speaks no English and the other learned it dot, dot, dot. How? How did the other brother learn to speak English, Brent? That's the question. Jason, he learned it by listening or watching Howard Cosell. Judges? I'm sorry, Brent. The judges have said no to your answer. Oh, judges, come we, on. We can have loud arguments after we give Will a chance to answer the question. Will, can you steal this question? How did the other brother learn to speak English? It, it, it is something with Howard Cosell, but it's... It's semantics. <laughs> the loud arguments will commence at the end of Will's answer. Brent, if Will doesn't get it, you, you'll, you'll get a partial answer. I can already tell you. Okay. I better. <laughs> it, Come on, it, Will. It, it's something with the broadcast of Howard Cosell, but I can't remember the quote, the exact you're, line. Jason said, "Guess now, guess." So you're saying I don't know? Is that what you're telling me? You ever seen the show? From, you can't do that on television. From you can't say I don't know. To, from listening to reruns of Howard Cosell. <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, sorry, that is not a complete correct answer. Brent, we're going to give you a partial answer uh, for Howard Cosell. He learned it by watching the wide world of sports, which, of course, featured Howard Cosell. So he says, what's worse, speaking no English or speaking Howard Cosell? Right, right, right. I think that's what we got caught up on, that second part, right, Will? I was just trying to picture them saying it, not Jason. (laughs) You don't like my rendition of that line? <laughs> it was trying to fill in the blanks. <laughs> you just wait till the next questions later on. Uh, Truly a sight to be hoped. A man beat the once great champ. Now a study in mumpishness. No longer the victory hungry stallion we've raced so many times before. But a pathetic wash up aged ex-champion. All right, let's go. Uh, Here's the fun fact. The actor that plays the brother that speaks Cosell is the same that plays Chosen, who was the antagonist in The Karate Kid 2. And now he owns a uh, restaurant in Seattle. Brent, that means you have four points. Uh, Will, you're still not on the board yet. However, Mm -hmm. you can get uh, right back in the game right now with a two-point answer right here. With the question, Marty McFly wolves out. It's a movie question. Will, this is a two-part question. Ready? Yep. In the classic 80s film Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox's character Scott Howard has a best friend that he lets in on his secret of being a werewolf. What is his best friend's name? And when we first see him in the film, what does his shirt say? Oh, my God. Styles. You said Styles as his answer, but there's a multiple choice for the shirt. Okay. <laughs> Let me finish reading the whole question. So the multiple choice is A, life's a keg, drink it up. B, don't worry, be happy. C, life sucks, then you die. Or D, surfs up, 
those are the choices you have to pick from. Oh my God. Surf's up. Surf's up is incorrect. Ooh. Brent, can you name the character's name and get the the shirt same? Okay, wait. All right, all right, all right. hold on. It's not Surf's up. I got that <laughs> one. Um, C sounds like him. I'm going to go with A. Life's a cake. Drink it up is incorrect. Mm. Will, we're going to give you a partial answer because you did get Styles as oh, his buddy's name. But the answer is life sucks and then you die. That's a very Gen X uh, saying right there. I'm surprised you guys didn't pick up on that. <laughs> That's true. Well, we're positive role models, Jason. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Look, man, we got some fine new wheels. We got some good tunes and a total disregard for public safety. <laughs> You're right. Okay, let's go. Right, so, so. Wait a minute. These waves are mine. Here's the fun fact. Italy and Brazil shamelessly tried to capitalize on Michael J. Fox's Back to the Future success when promoting the movie Teen Wolf. In Italy, Scott was renamed Marty to associate him with Marty McFly. And in Brazil, the movie was titled, and please forgive my awful Portuguese, O Garoto do Futuro, which translates to the boy of the future, despite there being no time travel at all in Teen Wolf. Shameless. Shameless, you guys. Shameless. Get it together, Brazil. So Brent still has the power. The score is four points for Brent, one point for Will. Brent, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be 20 minutes into the future, which is that television culture question, or will it be the power of the afternoon cartoon? Let's go with the power of the afternoon cartoon. Okay. I don't even know what the other one is referencing. Okay. We might be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> we might be in trouble. <laughs> so get comfy. This is, a, this is a long one. <clears throat> oh boy all right the two best times to watch tv when we were kids were weekday afternoons after school and of course saturday mornings those times were set aside for one thing cartoons if you missed an episode back then there was no on demand no youtube or some streaming platform for you to turn to simply put if you missed it you were screwed and you'd have to wait for a rerun kids today will never know how real the struggle was the normal tradition for cartoons to go into syndication was for them to premiere on a network primetime slot, telecasts of older cartoons originally made for movie theaters, or the Saturday morning lineup. Then they'd find their way to weekday afternoons for reruns. That's how it normally went. However, in the early 80s, a cartoon broke the mold and went straight into syndication and aired weekday afternoons instead of the Saturday morning model. Here's the question. What was the first cartoon in the United States to go straight to syndication and air on weekday afternoons instead of facing the Saturday morning gauntlet, proving that new content could not only survive in their own time slot, but thrive in it and sell a lot of toys along the way? It is a multiple choice. Okay. So is it A, Transformers, B, He-Man, C, My Little Pony, or D, Care Bears? Um, <clears throat> oh, man. All right, Jason. I'm going to go with being a 
Gen X male who loved the action figures, I'm going to go with A Transformers. A Transformers is incorrect, Brent. I'm so sorry. Mm. Will, here's your chance to get right back in this game. Is it A Transformers, B He-Man, C My Little Pony, or D Care Bears? Which show went right into syndication and uh, promoted new content? I'm going to go with He-Man. He-Man is correct. Oh, you. You would get that. Will, you have stolen the power. And you've got a point. Well done. Got a point, Will. Good job. Will has two points to Brent's four <laughs> points. And here's the fun fact. He-Man is often listed as one of the greatest Saturday morning cartoons ever, despite the fact that it was on weekday afternoons. People will debate and swear that it was on Saturday mornings and maybe somewhere in some random affiliate did put it on Saturday mornings, but it was famous for uh, breaking the mold of first run syndication barrier for weekday after school programming. What's not up for debate, however, is that weekday afternoon TV was a joyous time. And that is up until you heard that damn depressing theme song from MASH come on. And that meant it was time to go outside and play. Okay, Will. Yep. A two-point here, uh, a correct answer here will tie the game. Oh, uh, what? He has two points, you have four. Do the math. Oh, man. 20 minutes into the future is a television slash culture question. In the TV series Max Headroom, the series featured computers and a frightening high-tech TV-centric future 20 minutes into the future as each episode would begin. Long before there was an internet, a worldwide web, email, and cyber culture, this TV series displayed it all in amazingly accurate ways. Which of the following technologies featured in the show was not predicted ahead of its time by Max and the gang? Okay, so you got to pick the one that, is, that wasn't featured in the show. Was it A, the integration of video, TV, and computers? B, the common occurrences of computer viruses, tapeworms, time bombs, and Trojan horses as a way of defeating other programs? C, the idea of online shopping? D, the use of alternate input devices for computers, aka the mouse? Or E, all of these things? I'm gonna go with C. C, uh, the idea of online shopping? Yep. That is incorrect, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Brent, can you steal this question and take a commanding lead? Oh, man. Um, you know, Jason, since that was an exhausting list, I'm just going to go with the last <laughs> one. I think it's E, all the above. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is also incorrect. <laughs> I fell I, for I, it. I fell for it. Honestly, Jason, I just forgot the list. <laughs> the answer is D, the mouse. One facet of computing it did not depict was the use of a mouse. An inside source of the production of the show said that that was intentional. The reason apparently was that the producer, Peter Wagg, always thought that, the ult that ultimately uh, we would house our news technology in more familiar ob objects, meaning that computer mice would no longer be used in the future. As a side note, Max Headroom was a British production made for an American audience. It seemed as if the showrunners thought that the show's humor and advanced satire would be lost on British audiences since it did not contain any scenes of large groups of pale people wearing hats standing in long queues 
to eat something boiled. Shout out to our three British listeners. Email when you've had enough of my silliness. Okay, here is the final round of questions. Will, his, the situation is you have two points. Brent has four. Uh, you, 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 need, you need this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the power, however, so you can pick between the two. Oh. So you got either, you got a lot of guts coming here after what you pulled, which <laughs> is a movie dialogue question. Or you can pick doing lines in the cantina. Let's go with the first one. Okay. You got a lot of guts coming here after what you pulled. (laughs) In The Empire Strikes Back, Han is reunited with his long-lost friend Lando Calrissian. While on the landing platform, Lando teases Han by calling him a multitude of names and slurs. Name three of the put-downs Lando calls Han while on the landing platform. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs> I was evil. told you guys were advanced and to make the questions difficult. Who told you that, Jason? You did. <laughs> that was Will, by the way. Uh, let's... Um... <sighs> Name three put-downs Lando calls Han while on the landing platform. Smuggler, pirate, and Brent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Those three insults are incorrect. Brent, can you steal this question? Um, I think the smuggler, pirate, and scoundrel. He also calls him old. I don't know if you want to call that an insult or not, but he does call him an old scoundrel, I believe. Um, That answer is also incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) so you're both wrong Jason you look so disappointed (laughs) I am disappointed I could have gotten this one Uh, the insults were slimy double crossing no good swindler uh, old pirate and of course the classic loser and how you doing Chewbacca you still hanging around with this loser I was so close you were very close (laughs) wasn't in there I call him a you old scoundrel. He doesn't call him a scoundrel. Only Leia calls him a scoundrel. So here's the fun fact. You'll enjoy this one. <laughs> According to UrbanDictionary.com, a Calrissian is defined as when your fashion, attitude, and personal swagger are above and beyond anything and everyone, regardless of your loyalty or respect for another person. However, on the same site, a dirty Calrissian is defined as a filthy act requiring two Ewoks and some moisture evaporators. Hello, what have we here? (laughs) Jason, did you make that up? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, Jason? A Colt 45 gets them every time. A Colt 45. (laughs) We're going to the final question. This question is called Doing Lines in the Cantina. Studio 54 wasn't the only place you could do lines in in the 70s. The Star Wars cantina was full of blue milk and great lines, and we're all out of blue milk. So we're going to about to see who can do more lines between our two contestants. The two of you will assume characters from a scene in a movie and will take turns saying lines from that scene until one of you can't continue. Brent, if you complete the scene, you'll get two points. But if you cannot, then 
That means, Will, you will get two points and a chance to tie the game. If either of you get stumped on the next line, then the other wins the question. Okay? So there's a little bit of tennis back and forth. Whoever flubs the line first loses. Please remember, you always have to answer uh, a question on this show, no matter how wrong you are, So, or else you lose a point. So if you can't remember the next line, uh, make something up. Say something. Here's the scene. This is the Star Wars Cantina Barroom Brawl. As we know, tensions boil over between Luke, Ben, Dr. Cornelius Evazan, and Panda Baba, a.k.a. Walrus Man, a.k.a. Buttface, as my brother and I used to call him. As most of you will recall, Walrus Man bumps into Luke, looking to pick a fight, and shortly thereafter, Dr. Evazan, the dude with the jacked-up face, walks up and translates Walrus Man's hostile intentions. Do you guys remember the scene? You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So I'll start you off with the first line of dialogue played by good old buttface himself, Walrus Man. Brent, you will play Dr. Cornelius Evazan. And Will, you will be playing both Luke and Ben since a little bit more difficult for you since, you know, you're trying to steal here. There's one last thing. I'll think you guys are cool if you do the voice impressions of the characters as you deliver the lines. <laughs> okay. So here's the first line from Doc, uh, from Walrus Man. <clears throat> Dr. Evazan, go ahead and take it away. He doesn't like you. I'm sorry. I don't like you either. I'll be careful. I wasn't done yet, bro. <laughs> Let him finish. Let him finish, Will. Brent, take it over. Go ahead. You just watch yourself. We were wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead! This one's not worth your time. Oh, judges? I'm sorry, Will. That's not quite uh, the right line. The next line is... It. This little one is not worth it. Sorry, let me do it in my Ben Kenobi voice. <clears throat> this little one is not worth the effort. Now let me get you some. Go to the Dagobah system, Luke. That was like, I would say, Jason, though, that was the young Ben Kenobi. Well, I'm not an old man. I'm nor a Jedi Knight, as far as you guys know. Or Jedi Master, I should say. <laughs> Yikes, Will. Will, I'm sorry. That means you did not say the next line correctly. That means, Brent, you have won the game. Congratulations. Oh, right. That is radical, Jason. Sorry about the mess. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Before we play the final round, if you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to future episodes. It costs you nothing to give the show a positive review and subscribe, but it would mean a whole lot to me. We would love to have you as a friend of the show. Thank you so much. Now back to G.I. Joe. Round three is a bonus prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, the game's loser can play spoiler to the winner. I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular answers from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook. 
The loser gets to answer first with the winner unable to hear the responses. The winner will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of the answers from the other player. If they get more points, they win the game and go on to claim a chance at their prize. So Brent, as the winner, you are going to be put into the waiting room. Okay, so you understand what we're doing, Will? I believe so, yep. Uh, I'll ask you five survey questions, and you got to ask answer them with, from the Gen X timeline. You get one pass. So uh, pro tip, it's always good to pass if you get stuck. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Eight-track, cassette, CD, or vinyl? Which is the best way to listen to music? Vinyl. Name a movie that takes place in high school. Teen Wolf. Name the best game to play at the arcade. Street Fighter. Name the best Van Halen song. Hopper Teacher. And finally, name the scariest antagonist in a slasher film. Freddy Krueger. We're going to bring Brent back from the waiting room. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Will slammed right through those. Oh, boy. Okay. You're going to have a difficult time uh, with this one, I think. Thanks. Thanks for the confidence, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. Kramer. Here we go. So I'm going to ask you the same five questions I asked Will. You cannot duplicate his answer. If you do, give me another answer, and we'll record that one. Um, You'll have two passes, so use your passes wisely. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Eight-track, cassette, CD, or vinyl? Which is the best way to listen to music? Cassette. Name a movie that takes place in high school. Back to the Future. Name the best game at the arcade. Super Mario Brothers 2. No, Super Mario Brothers 2. Yes, yes, 2, 2, 2. Name the best song by Van Halen. Panama. No, which I know it's not. Sorry. I have to take your first answer. I know. Name the scariest antagonist in the slasher film. Freddy. Try again. Jason. What? Name the answer. Go. <laughs> Hurry. You're running out of time. <laughs> oh, oh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. My bad. We, I mean, we might we might save 30% of Gen X. <laughs> maybe. In fact. Maybe, maybe 22%. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the scores for Dysfunctional Family Feud. I asked you, 8-track, cassette, CD, or vinyl, which was the best way to listen to music? Will, you said vinyl, which is the number one answer, worth 40 points. Brent, you said cassette, which was the number two answer, worth 30 points. So the score is Will 40, Brent 30. I asked you both, name a movie that takes place in high school. Will, you said Teen Wolf. It does take place in high school, but it did not make our survey. So that's worth zero points. Brent, you said Back to the Future. Also did not make our survey. <laughs> Worth zero points. Oh, you got to tell us. On the we top we need a breakfast club, right? Oh. The breakfast club was number one. 
The yeah. whole movie well, took place in high school. If only you said that, Will. <laughs> I, after I said the other one, I was like, I should have. Yeah, you yep. should have. So, guys, zero points. Zero points to zero points. Didn't hurt either one of you. <laughs> but neither one got points. Name the best arcade game was next. Will, you said Street Fighter. Oh. I think our demographic was a little bit older and did not say uh, Street Fighter. So that did not get you any points. Well, I said still, Street Fighter still... 2, that was the big one. Right, but a bunch of old people answered the survey apparently because uh, Street Fighter had nowhere near any answers. Brent, you said Super Mario 2, which also did not make our survey. Oh, but what about Super Mario Brothers 2, Jason? How about that one? <laughs> Let me double check. <laughs> nope, still didn't make our survey. Sorry. Oh. Was yeah. it is it Pac-Man or Galaga? That was number what? one and two on the survey, Will. Yeah, again, if only you said that, Will, you would be winning. I, I said Street Fighter because I wanted to stop you. I figured you would have said Street Fighter. Oh, whatever. Pac-Man good, was number that, one. That's actually pretty good, though, Will. I I should have said Street Fighter. You're right. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't, frankly. Yeah. So the scores are still Will forty and Brent thirty. Anything can still happen. <laughs> Anything can. <laughs> Name a best song by Van Halen. Will, you said Hot for Teacher, which was the number three answer, worth 20 points, bringing you to a score of 60. Brent, you said Panama, which was uh, the number two answer, worth 26 points. Whoa. That means, Will, you have 60. Brent, you have 56 Four points separate oh, you. <laughs> I asked you, name the scariest antagonist in a slasher film. Brent, you said Jason Voorhees, which was the number two answer, worth 22 points, bringing you to a grand total of 82 points. So the score is 82 to 60. Will, you are 22 points away. Your answer was Freddy Krueger. Was it worth more than 22 points? Survey said. It was the number one answer worth 28 points, bringing you to a grand total of 88. Means you beat uh, Brent's score by six points, and you spoiled Brent from winning his chance at a prize. Congratulations, Will. What Thank a you. prick you are. <laughs> that was spiteful. I'm sorry, Brent, you won the game, but you did not get the bonus prize round. You still played well, though. Thanks. Let's take a look at the some of the items that you could have won, Brent, but are not going to be able to now. Is a original oil painting of Max Rebo. That is beautiful that is. rendition there. A retro 80s 3D checkered off-the-wall adjustable hat that says, oh, shoot, oh yeah, on it. That does seem very 80s. Yeah. Very, very 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, brother. It'd be better if it was the uh, the Kool Aid Man. Oh, oh there's a. Jason? That's your opinion. <laughs> that is my opinion. <laughs> and as host of the show, my opinion goes a long way. Judges. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a the Goonies. What is this a tease? What is what is this all big tease? This is what you you yes. could have won but didn't. Yes. Thank you, Jason. Em embrace your failure, Brent, and do better next time. <laughs> That's not nice. Hey, Gen X is a rough bunch, man. That's true. We had to survive the, the toughest. Yeah, take your lumps. Uh, 
A Goonies poster, refrigerator magnet. Uh, this is a vintage 1982 Knight Rider's belt buckle. Oh, yeah. With kid on the front. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Garbage pail. Yes! Jason! Bent Brent. I was so one. Could have. Oh, my gosh. Come on. That's perfect. Bent Brent could have been yours. You're such a tease, Jason. What the hell? Well, here's the best item, I think. This is not a political podcast. However, you know, take it as you will. This is a custom-made G.I. Joe Zartan in disguise as Donald Trump figure still in the box. That's disgusting. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Move along. Oh I, I think it's very appropriate for Zartan uh, to his character to try to impersonate. Uh, well, that's Donald. true. I mean. Right. I mean. He could be a cult leader. <laughs> those are the items you could have won. Uh, but just for the, the listeners at home to know what was uh, the up for grabs. I like that that G.I. Joe figure is a whopping $3.25. <laughs> okay. And Jason, so that is not of the 80, or the Generation X. Well, I guess Zartan, dude. All right. Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a great variety of choices for your podcast and enjoyment. And it is simply amazing that you've chosen to join us and spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and join our group if you'd like for more fun Gen X content. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly to keeping the show going, offering better prizes if, you know, the guys win for a change uh, to the contestants and all around improvement for future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those if you'd like. Uh, if you like what we're doing here and want to save Gen X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. If not, please uh, consider us next time. I'm just happy you're listening to the show. Thank you so much. Okay. So I'd also like to say thank you to our two contestants and guests on the show tonight. Uh, do you have any shout outs or plugs you'd like to give? Uh, Will, since you blocked Brent, I'll let you go first. Uh, just shout out to my two boys. Hope they enjoy and remember all the toys as they grow up, just like I do. And shout out to my opponent, Brent. You, I couldn't have asked for a better opponent. Good job. No, you couldn't have. Thank you, Will. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Jason. Brent, you got any shout-outs or plugs? I do. Uh, yeah, I'd like to just do a little little cheesy shout-out to uh, the Hasbro Toy Company um, as they've directly influenced me in my life, uh, both as a kid, as I collected you know, the majority of the products that they made, um, and, and, and really just kind of use my imagination and, and with their stories and characters and everything, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, shaped me to be creative and think outside the box and all that fun stuff. And it led me to, to be a, a toy designer, uh, as a career, um, and, uh, actually worked for Hasbro making it a, a fun little full circle. And I really appreciate, uh, what they did to, to influence my childhood and my life. And, uh, you know, as, as goofy as it is, you know, shout out a, a company like that. Um, I, I do have to say they really shaped, uh, you know, my life and my decisions and, and who I was and who I am. 
and uh, as well as other toy companies as well and other toy lines. Um, but uh, also my boys, as Will uh, said to his, uh, two boys as well, and, and Will, my, my opponent and best friend of 35 or so plus years and counting. Um, you know, uh, this is great, Jason. I, I thank you. And uh, this is a lot of fun. I'm glad you had a good time. I, I think that's some good Gen X credentials too, man. Not everyone can say that they directly had a hand in creating and continuing the things that we cherished growing up. So uh, hats off to you, Brent. Well done on keeping Gen X alive. Thank you. I have a shout out as well. I'd like to give a special shout out to the newest subscriber on our Patreon account. Special thanks to Rudiger Janelle, who became the latest supporter of the show via Patreon. Thank you for your support, love, and most importantly, thank you for helping to save Generation X. The post credit sound clip of this episode is in your honor. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a cliffhanger question. If you know the answer, please reach out to me on our Facebook group page, or you can email me directly at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. If you have any feedback for the show or would like to submit a trivia question or segment idea, you can reach out to me on that email address as well. If we use your question on the show, we'll be sure to give you a shout out. And now this episode cliffhanger question is, who is the only major male character among Strawberry Shortcake and Friends? If you know the answer, please reach out. Correct answers to the cliffhanger question will be put into a drawing for an upcoming prize at a later date. Last episode's cliffhanger question has already been posted on the Facebook group page, so you can find out all the details there. Well, that's it for the episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes, where once again, we will ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Let me give you a little advice. There's three rules that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Never play cards with a guy who's got the same first name as a city. And never go near a lady who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now you stick with that. Everything else is cream cheese. Great game there, Scotty. Thanks, coach. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah.